0: This is Dave Vellante of the Wikibon Project and welcome to this, the 55th Wikibon Peer Insight Research Meeting. Today's topic is Managing Archive and Retention Risk, Part 1. On February 3, 2009, we were joined by Michael McCreary and other members of the Wikibon community to discuss the state of archiving and retention. McCreary is formerly the head of Pfizer's Legal Technology Group and is currently Vice President and COO of Rational Retention, an information management software startup in New York. In part one of this series, we defined the problems faced by today's IT and legal organizations. We asked Mike McCreary to set up the problem statement for the Wikibon community. As we
1: all know, the explosion of data over the last uh, 10 years has been been remarkable. Importantly, the data that has Really driven the growth has been the unstructured data. While the data that you see in your your typical uh, ERP system, that's been growing pretty rapidly uh, to some extent. Uh, compared to the the data that exists in document management systems and file shares, uh, all the loose what we term loose files uh, has been really really go- going through the roof over the last over the last several years, uh, and clearly causing some challenges for IT just in in of itself to, from a volume perspective. Um, that said, at the very same time, uh, we've seen a real a, a big increase in regulations. So, as Dave mentioned, the federal rules of civil procedure uh, were changed in 2006, late in December of 2006, to uh, to require that electronically stored information be a component of any civil litigation, and and that was adopted at the federal level, and then is, is now broadly being adopted at the state level, and similar rules we're seeing being adopted uh, internationally as well. Also though, other regulations such as HIPAA, SOX compliance, um, and, you know there's, there's a host of regulations that uh, privacy, things like that have, been, that have been enabled or that have been enacted and, and are, are hitting uh, the organization all at the same time while the data is growing. So it's really created a, a, a pretty untenable situation for both the I.T. side and the, um, uh, and the legal side and the compliance folks.
0: Okay, Mike. So what's the strategy users are taking? To address this problem what do they do archive everything and
1: really it's one component of in particular the the regulatory space that has driven this archive everything and it's the requirement to preserve data so what it means is particularly in any litigation environment you have a positive obligation to preserve any data any information or files that could be implicated in a particular litigation so that means virtually everything. Effectively, every file in, in your infrastructure, all petabytes, the entire you know, three petabytes of data you may have spinning out there is all discoverable. And you, again, you have to reiterate, you have a positive obligation to preserve that information um, during a litigation. So, so where organizations have gone, as they said, okay, the only way that we can really effectively preserve that is to just archive it. Now, um, that's a Uh, an approach that that does, while it has merit and does work, it has massive implications.
0: What are those implications, Mike?
1: Those implications really are three primary areas. It's certainly on storage costs. It's, uh, uh, I mean, as as a lot of people here are IT professionals who work in the storage space, and they recognize the the, the, uh, massive increase in storage, even though uh, storage on a per-unit basis has been going down. Um, the amount of stuff that you've had to save has been going up at a faster rate, and that, and it doesn't seem at present that that's going to necessarily level off. So we're seeing these archives are massive, massive storage requirements, and they keep going up on a on a on a daily basis. Secondly, and this one's often missed, is that e-discovery, the the act of uh, associated with uh, you know collecting data and, and providing it for, to the other party as part of litigation. Um, the costs of e-discovery are going up dramatically as well. And a lot of people in the, in, are missing this because IT is looking at it from one side and legal is looking at it from the other, and they're not getting together and really talking about the broader implications. And the reason the e-discovery costs are going up is e-discovery as an activity is primarily volume-driven. Any e-discovery situation ultimately gets down to a point where lawyers, who are pretty highly compensated, have to look at the documents. So... The, the reality is that the more documents they look at, they're getting paid by the hour, and you can offshore it, and there's been all kinds of, of attempts at trying to bring down that cost. But nonetheless, um, you have people looking at documents. And when you have people effectively turning pages on tens of millions of documents, the so litigations we, we, we're starting to see, there are litigations that are getting into the hundreds of millions of pages or half a billion pages. So you're having to have lawyers look at that. Those costs are, 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 are incredible so again storage is, is certainly one driver e discovery is another one and then the the other one and it's a little little more subtle and it's more of a risk perspective is of course having a bunch of documents around that can be used by a clever a clever plaintiff's attorney uh can be they can be used against you even the organizations that are 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 well behaved and playing by the rules which we hope that everybody is um, nonetheless you can take a document that is you know 5 years or 8 or 10 years old and it's effectively sterile. There's no there's no context around it. The people who were involved in it at the time uh, may not be available. Um, it may have been just speculation. But they can a, a really good plaintiffs attorney will take that document and will weave a story around that document and will weave a, uh, a basically their own reality around it. And, again, that puts an organization at risk no matter how. And and if there is no legal obligation to retain that document and there is no business obligation to retain that document, um, there's no reason that it necessarily needs to be sitting around. So what you've got here are massive uh, increases in, in costs and risk due to archiving everything.
0: Michael, share with us, if you will, some of your experiences from your days as a practitioner at Pfizer. What was your role there? I was responsible for putting in a
1: very, very large email archive. And when we did that, we, went at, when, when we knew, and had I've done the calculations, um, what it was going to cost us. And we knew that what we were doing was a very tactical approach. And, and we also knew that in order to take it to the next level, we needed to have ways to segment that archive, to understand it by content, and then once we could understand it by content, we could then execute appropriate retention, activities associated with that data.
0: We then heard from Mike Versace, an IT practitioner who gave a perspective from the financial industry.
2: Another part of the problem that uh, we've seen, at least in the financial services community, has been one around definition. Now this, we've used the term unstructured information here, unstructured content, unstructured electronically stored information. How much do you think of a problem we have how much do you think the problem is associated with lack of formal definition of terms like unstructured content? What is a business record? What is an artifact? What is a transitory record? How much does that contribute to the problem that you just described?
1: That's a really good question. I think it contributes tremendously to it. Um, unstructured versus structured data is kind of informally described as things that it's either sitting at a database table or it's not. But there's certainly a number of things you know that are in between. Uh, document management systems where metadata is in a table, but you know the file system is is storing the actual physical uh, document so so that's one one component and again from a general risk perspective it's those things that are unstructured they tend to have the least control but to take it to the next level and I think where you went is an important one is it really goes down to its record definition so how are organizations going in and defining both the retention policy and the specific schedule the schedule that says i've got a legal obligation to keep this particular financial record this particular HR record this particular um, operational record for a specific period of time, and here's the laws associated with it. Um, there's, it's, it's not a simple thing, and there isn't a simple answer for it, um, and, that, and, and certain organizations and, and certain people interpret uh, what are a number of different rules uh, associated with it in, in different ways. So you're absolutely right. Some of, the, the, some of that, the, that, that segmentation, if you will, and definition of what is a record, what's not a record, and what needs to be kept and what doesn't need to be kept is pretty tricky. One of the ways that we, 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 we often think about it is in kind of a pyramid that says at the very top are a set of records that there is a statutory legal obligation to keep, and they may only represent 5 or 10%, depending on the business, of the organ, of the organization's files out there. The next level below that, is information that the the organization wants to keep around for, say, knowledge management. It's institutional knowledge and it has value. But again, there is no statutory regulatory obligation to keep those. And that may represent, say, another 15 or 20%. Beyond that are a set of documents that are effectively uh, works in progress that are th- things that you're working with on a daily basis to create, uh, say, project documents and things like that. Their purpose and the volume of those and, and, and the, the retention on those should be should be really re- – they should be kept around for as long as a project exists, and then after that they should be gotten rid of. And then the balance, effectively, is the, the, this huge set of – and use the term transitory, which a lot of people do use – uh, are these transitory records that are effectively junk. They're not records, by the way, but they're transitory files that are effectively junk, and there's really no obligation uh, from an organization perspective to keep it. However, the thing that really changes everything is the moment you've got a litigation, you have a positive obligation to preserve everything, regardless of what that
0: is. Is this consistent with what others are seeing in the Wikibon community?
1: Mm, Yes and no. Hi, David Berman. How are you? Great. Hi, Dave. Good to talk to you again. (laughs) Yeah, it's good to talk to you, Dave. Um, I'm working at a major financial institution, and what we've done is we've developed a taxonomy of all data that has been identified that is required to be archived, and it's defined retention period. So when you say that all data in a legal, in a legal battle has to be archived, I'm not sure I agree with that. I think if you've defined a policy and you define the type of data uh, that, and its policy, and as long as you continue and comply to that policy i think you're covered i mean obviously you do have sox compliance and regulatory compliance that you have to maintain and within our taxonomy we've defined all that so 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 actually what i said and and just just to clarify sorry about that no is, no that is that um is exactly what you just said <laughs> and and that's the position we're taking is that uh, when i said Um, litigation. The moment a litigation hits, it doesn't matter where it sits on your, whether it's a record or not, whether it's in your taxonomy or not, it doesn't matter. If you have a litigation and there's any chance that the document could be implicated in that litigation, it must be preserved. That's an absolute non-negotiable. That said, in the absence of litigation, there's absolutely no need to necessarily archive documents that, for, for you know per your instance, um, that, don't, that say that, that aren't part of your taxonomy, aren't part of your record structure, aren't part of a business value. there's no no reason whatsoever to archive those at all, and in fact, archiving those uh, is nothing but a waste of space, waste of energy, uh, and and frankly it creates additional risk that't doesn't need to be uh,
0: incurred. Wikibon's own Gary McFadden shared some information about the importance of training to limit the amount and number of emails produced.
2: There are consultants out there that have done ROI and TCO studies that say that 20 percent of emails are unnecessary to even be written, and that uh, uh, the step you want to take even before you figure about uh, figure about uh, how you uh, build a defensibility strategy, or you build a taxonomy, or uh, whether you're going to save or delete emails, is whether you're going to create them at all, and that many. Um, Many of those corporations have, uh, have, have gone through training where they've actually trained their employees on how to write emails and whether or not to, um, uh, to create emails and whether or not to CC people, et cetera, et cetera, whether they put them on PDFs, whether they put them on, uh, excuse me, on um, PSTs, within PSTs, whether they copy them onto their own uh, on files and and, and, uh, and thumb drives, et cetera. So that's part of the, uh, the front-end process that people have to look at, as well as the behavior, is email behavior, and whether you want to create it at all. What about that, Michael McCreary?
0: Is that a viable approach?
1: Yes, absolutely so. We're seeing most uh, organizations, particularly large organizations, that are involved in litigation on a regular basis um, being very proactive around education of the users of of the broader population as to what they should be creating in the first place. That said, the reality is the email is arguably the single greatest productivity enhancer from a knowledge worker perspective that's ever come to play. So people are very wedded to it, and in fact, it's critical for an organization to be successful because it really facilitates communication um, in a way that nothing else does at this point.
0: We then asked McCreary to comment on what he's seeing in terms of how much unstructured content is essentially unnecessary junk
1: as, as we've talked to really dozens of organizations in this case um, we find that uh, you know 20 30 40 50% is easy um, many organizations would 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 uh, as they start to really look deep and they see all the stuff that's sitting on file shares that's seven, eight years old, is it may be, you know, from a sure, from, from a, a pure, you know, storage perspective, it may be 50, 60, 70%, which is a huge opportunity because they're, they're keeping it around uh, and getting no business value out of it.
0: Mike, how are companies dealing with things like legal holds and how does this contribute to the problem?
1: The, the the general methodology we see this day uh, the, today in terms of how you you execute the your preservation obligation that hold obligation is to send a note out which is yet another email if you will uh, to send an email out to all the people and says uh, anything to do with in my old world would have been uh, Celebrex or Cox too anything to do with this drug or this this product or this this this. this action that the, the organization is taking, you need to make sure you keep any document associated with it. That tends to really drive two behaviors, and neither of them what we want. One, uh, people panic and they just say, I, geez, I got four of these in the last three months, and, and I actually have 12 of these, and you know what, I don't know what the heck I'm supposed to keep and what I'm not supposed to keep. I'm just going to make sure I never delete anything and I'm going to put it all in my PST. Again, massive volume that drives up the cost of e discovery later. The other behavior, of course, is that, well, I'm a little uncomfortable with some of the things that I
0: I, I have. I should just go ahead and delete it. Jerry Murphy from the Robert Francis Group cuts right to the heart of the matter and argues that email is the least of our problems. The real challenge, he says, is the issue that a decentralized and mobile workforce has unstructured information stored in non-centrally controlled locations, and enforcing policies in this environment is very difficult.
3: It seems to be the big problem. I mean, I mean, email from my perspective is kind of the least of your problems in the sense that it's essentially controlled Exchange media, right? So I could establish a policy and put mechanisms in place to, you know, scan people's emails, have a central repository for store and forward that that I could centrally control, independent of what the end node employee is doing. Seems to me what's a, a much more difficult issue. Is you know you don't know a priori what a litigation is going to want to find in an e-discovery, so you can't be prescient enough to say, oh, what do I need to store or not store? And two, if I have a, a a policy that I say, here's our corporate policy on storing stuff or retaining stuff, you know, how do you enforce that in non centrally controlled mechanisms? Right? I mean, databases I control, email to some extent I control what I do control is all that other unstructured stuff that's on individual people's desktops. Uh, You know, how is that, how do I centrally search that? How do I enforce the intent of a policy on all these things that aren't centrally controlled seems to me is is a far more difficult task.
0: This is clearly not an easy problem for organizations. There's a big gap today between how IT would like to enforce policies and the way legal Needs the organization to preserve and/or delete information. Here again is McCreary.
1: I think an important consideration that, that I, I probably should have said up front is that uh, all legal re- records retention, um, your legal requirements, all of your rules and regulations, statutory uh, obligations to keep stuff are predicated on the content of the information. They are. It's not. It's, it's never acceptable to say that. You know because something's in an email, I'm going to delete all my email after a certain period of time. Because something's in a particular uh, storage location, I'm just going to clean out that storage location after every 30 days because there's, there are three years because that's convenient and helps from an operational efficiency perspective. It's always content-driven. So uh, that's, that's the big gap. Because IT has so often been, I need to just, you know, I care about its age or I care about how frequently it's accessed because that lets you do hierarchical storage and better and better, you know, utilization of assets. That is not how legal ever looks at. They look at it. And say, if I wrote it on a napkin, if I wrote it in an email, if I wrote it, if I have it on a document, it doesn't matter. Those that the the, the, the content of what I wrote is what is what drives the retention and preservation requirements of it.
0: So here we have the problem. First generation email archiving and e-discovery systems were put in place as a knee-jerk reaction to regulation and litigation risk. We shoved everything into a centralized archive, often designed for document workflow, which perhaps can be centralized. Risk, on the other hand, by its very nature is distributed throughout the organization. Compounding the problem is a lack of good auto-classification and search tools. We're left with systems that don't scale well, waste storage space, and tax e-discovery, which is a volume-driven activity. You can read more about these issues at Wikibon.org. Look for the research meetings and check out the Peer Insight Archive. Part 2 of our series continues the discussion and looks at technologies and architectures designed to meet next-generation archiving and discovery challenges. Thanks for listening. Bye for now.